Chapter Four of Benito Thereno. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Benito Thereno by Herman Melville. Chapter Four. The Blacks. As master and man stood before him, the black upholding the white. Captain Delano could not but bethink him of the beauty of that relationship, which could present such a spectacle of fidelity on the one hand, and confidence on the other. The scene was heightened by the contrast in dress, denoting their relative positions. The Spaniard wore a loose chili jacket of dark velvet, white small clothes and stockings, with silver buckles at the knee and instep, a high-crowned sombrero of fine grass, a slender sword silver-mounted hung from a knot in his sash the last being an almost invariable adjunct more for utility than ornament of a south american general's dress to this hour excepting when his occasional nervous contortions brought about disarray there was a certain precision in his attire curiously at variance with the unsightly disorder around especially in the belittered ghetto forward of the mainmast wholly occupied by the blacks the servant wore nothing but wide trousers, apparently, from their coarseness in patches, made out of some old topsail. They were clean, and confined at the waist by a bit of unstranded rope, which, with his composed, deprecatory air at times, made him look something like a begging friar of St. Francis. However unsuitable for the time and place, at least in the blunt-thinking American's eyes, and however strangely surviving in the midst of all his afflictions, the toilette of Don Benito might not, in fashion at least, have gone beyond the style of the day among South Americans of his class. Though on the present voyage sailing from Buenos Aires, he had avowed himself a native and resident of Chile, whose inhabitants had not so generally adopted the plain coat and once plebeian pantaloons. But with a becoming modification adhered to their provincial costume, picturesque as any in the world. Still, relatively to the pale history of the voyage and his own pale face, there seemed something so incongruous in the Spaniard's apparel, as almost to suggest the image of an invalid courtier tottering about London streets in the time of the plague. The portion of the narrative which, perhaps, most excited interest, as well as some surprise, considering the latitudes in question, was the long calms spoken of, and more particularly the ship so long drifting about. Without communicating the opinion, of course, the American could not but impute at least part of the detentions both to clumsy seamanship and faulty navigation. Eyeing Don Benito's small yellow hands, he easily inferred that the young captain had not got into command at the hall's hole, but the cabin window. And if so, why wonder at incompetence in youth, sickness, and aristocracy united? Such was his democratic conclusion. But drowning criticism in compassion, after a fresh repetition of his sympathies, Captain Delano, having heard out his story, not only engaged, as in the first place, to see Don Benito and his people supplied in their immediate bodily needs, but also, now further promised to assist him in procuring a large permanent supply of water, as well as some sails and rigging. And though it would involve no small embarrassment to himself, yet he would spare three of his best seamen for temporary deck officers, so that without delay the ship might proceed to Concepcion, there fully to refit for Lima, her destined port. Such generosity was not without its effect, even upon the invalid. His face lighted up, eager and hectic, he met the honest glance of his visitor. With gratitude he seemed overcome. "'This excitement is bad for master,' whispered the servant, taking his arm, and with soothing words gently drawing him aside. 
when don benito returned the american was pained to observe that his hopefulness like the sudden kindling in his cheek was but febrile and transient ere long with joyless mien looking up toward the poop the host invited his guest to accompany him there for the benefit of what little breath of wind might be stirring as during the telling of the story captain delano had once or twice started at the occasional assembling of the hatchet polishers wondering why such an interruption should be allowed especially in that part of the ship and in the ears of an invalid and moreover as the hatchets had anything but an attractive look and the handlers of them still less so it was therefore to tell the truth not without some lurking reluctance or even shrinking it may be that captain delano with apparent complacence acquiesced in his host's invitation the more so since an untimely caprice of punctilio rendered distressing by his cadaverous aspect don benito with castilian bows solemnly insisted upon his guest preceding him up the ladder leading to the elevation where one on each side of the last step sat four armorial supporters and sentries two of the ominous file gingerly enough stepped good captain delano between them and in the instant of leaving them behind like one running the gauntlet he felt an apprehensive twitch in the calves of his legs but when facing about he saw the whole file like so many organ grinders still stupidly intent on their work unmindful of everything beside he could not but smile at his late fidgeting panic presently while standing with don benito looking forward upon the decks below he was struck by one of those instances of insubordination previously alluded to three black boys with two spanish boys were sitting together on the hatches scraping a rude wooden platter in which some scanty mess had recently been cooked suddenly one of the black boys enraged at a word dropped by one of his white companions seized a knife and though called to forbear by one of the oakum pickers struck the lad over the head inflicting a gash from which blood flowed in amazement captain delano inquired what this meant to which the pale benito dully muttered that it was merely the sport of the lad pretty serious sport truly rejoined captain delano had such a thing happened on board the bachelor's delight instant punishment would have followed at these words the spaniard turned upon the american one of his sudden staring half lunatic looks then relapsing into his torpor answered doubtless doubtless senor is it thought captain delano that this helpless man is one of those paper captains i have known who by policy wink at what by power they cannot put down I know no sadder sight than a commander who has little of command but the name. "'I should think, Don Benito,' he now said, glancing toward the oakum picker who had sought to interfere with the boys, "'that you would find it advantageous to keep all your blacks employed, especially the younger ones, no matter at what useless task, and no matter what happens to the ship. Why, even with my little band, I find such a course indispensable.' I once kept a crew on my quarter-deck thrumming mats for my cabin when for three days I had given up my ship, mats, men, and all, for a speedy loss, owing to the violence of a gale in which we could do nothing but helplessly drive before it. Doubtless, doubtless, muttered Don Benito. But, continued Captain Delano, again glancing upon the oakum pickers, and then at the hatchet polishers nearby, I see you keep some at least of your host employed yes was again the vacant response those old men there shaking their powers from their pulpits continued captain delano pointed to the oakum pickers seem to act the part of old dominies to the rest little heeded as their admonitions are at times is this voluntary on their part don benito or have you appointed them shepherds to your flock of black sheep what posts they feel i appointed them 
rejoined the Spaniard in an acrid tone, as if resenting some supposed satiric reflection. "'And these others, these are shanty conjurers here,' continued Captain Delano, rather uneasily eyeing the brandished steel of the hatchet-polishers, where in spots it had been brought to a shine. "'This seems a curious business they are at, Don Benito.' "'In the gales we met,' answered the Spaniard. "'What of our general cargo was not thrown overboard was much damaged by the brine.' Since coming into calm weather, I have had several cases of knives and hatchets daily brought up for overhauling and cleaning. A prudent idea, Don Benito. You are part owner of ship and cargo, I presume, but not of the slaves, perhaps. I am owner of all you see, impatiently returned Don Benito, except the main company of blacks who belong to my late friend Alejandro Aranda. As he mentioned this name, his air was heartbroken, his knees shook. His servant supported him. Thinking he divined the cause of such unusual emotion, to confirm his surmise, Captain Delano, after a pause, said, And may I ask Don Benito whether, since a while ago you spoke of some cabin passengers, the friend whose loss so afflicts you at the outset of the voyage accompanied his blacks? Yes. But died of the fever? Died of the fever. Oh, could I but... Again quivering, the Spaniard paused. "'Pardon me,' said Captain Delano slowly, "'but I think that by a sympathetic experience "'I conjecture, Don Benito, "'what it is that gives the keener edge to your grief. "'It was once my hard fortune to lose at sea a dear friend, "'my own brother, then supercargo. "'Assured of the welfare of his spirit, "'its departure I could have borne like a man. "'But that honest eye, that honest hand, "'both of which had so often met mine, "'and that warm heart, all all like scraps to the dogs, to throw all to the sharks. It was then I vowed never to have for fellow voyager a man I loved, unless, unbeknown to him, I had provided every requisite in case of a fatality for embalming his mortal part for interment on shore. Will your friend remains now on board this ship, Don Benito, not thus strangely would the mention of his name affect you. On board this ship, echoed the Spaniard, then, with horrified gestures, as directed against some spectre, he unconsciously fell into the ready arms of his attendant, who, with a silent appeal toward Captain Delano, seemed beseeching him not again to approach a theme so unspeakably distressing to his master. This poor fellow now, thought the pained American, is the victim of that sad superstition which associates goblins with the deserted body of a man, as ghosts with an abandoned house. How unlike are we made! What to me, in like case, would have been a solemn satisfaction, the bare suggestion even, terrifies the Spaniard into this trance. Poor Alexandro Aranda, what would you say could you see your friend, who on former voyages, when you for months were left behind, has, I dare say, often longed and longed for one peep at you, now transported with terror at the least thought of having you any way nigh him? At this moment, with a dreary graveyard toll betokening a flaw, the ship's forecastle bell, smote by one of the grizzled oakum-pickers, proclaimed ten o'clock through the leaden calm. When Captain Delano's attention was caught by the moving figure of a gigantic black emerging from the general crowd below and slowly advancing toward the elevated poop, an iron collar was about his neck, from which depended a chain thrice wound round his body, the terminating links padlocked together at a broad band of iron his girdle. "'How like a mutatofall moves,' murmured the servant. 
The black mounted the steps of the poop, and, like a brave prisoner brought up to receive sentence, stood in unquailing muteness before Don Benito, now recovered from his attack. At the first glimpse of his approach Don Benito had started, a resentful shadow swept over his face, and, as with the sudden memory of bootless rage, his white lips glued together. "'This is some mulish mutineer,' thought Captain Delano, surveying, not without a mixture of admiration, the colossal form of the negro. "'See, he waits your question, master,' said the servant. Thus reminded, Don Benito nervously averting his glance, as if shunning by anticipation some rebellious response, in a disconcerted voice thus spoke. "'Artofol, will you ask my pardon now?' The black was silent. "'Again, master,' reported the servant, with bitter upbraiding eyeing his countryman. "'Again, master, he will bend to master yet.' "'Answer,' said Don Benito, still averting his glance. "'Say but the one word pardon, and your chain shall be off.' Upon this the black, slowly raising both arms, let them lifelessly fall, his links clanking, his head bowed, as much as to say, "'No, I am content.' Go, said Don Benito, with inkept and unknown emotion. Deliberately as he had come, the black obeyed. Excuse me, Don Benito, said Captain Delano, but this scene surprises me. What means it, pray? It means that that negro alone of all the band has given me peculiar cause of offence. I have put him in chains. I... Here he paused, his hand to his head, as if there were a swimming there, or a sudden bewilderment of memory had come over him. But meeting his servant's kindly glance seemed reassured, and proceeded. I could not scourge such a form, but I told him he must ask my pardon, and yet he has not. At my command every two hours he stands before me. And how long has this been? Some sixty days. "'And obedient in all else, and respectful?' "'Yes.' "'Upon my conscience, then,' exclaimed Captain Delano impulsively. "'He has a royal spirit in him, this fellow.' "'He may have some right to it,' bitterly returned Don Benito. "'He says he was king in his own land.' "'Yes,' said the servant, entering the word. "'Those slits and out the fall's ears once held wedges of gold.' But poor Babo here in his own land was only a poor slave, a black man's slave was Babo, who now is the white. Somewhat annoyed by these conversational familiarities, Captain Delano turned curiously upon the attendant, then glanced inquiringly at his master, but as if long wanted to these little informalities neither master nor man seemed to understand him. "'What prey was that of all's offence, Don Benito?' asked Captain Delano. If it was not something very serious, take a fool's advice, and in view of his general docility, as well as in some natural respect for his spirit, remit his penalty. No, no, master will never do that, here murmured the servant to himself. Proud Atafal must first ask master's pardon. The slave there carries the padlock, but master here carries the key. His attention thus directed, Captain Delano now noticed for the first time that, suspended by a slender silken cord from Don Benito's neck, hung a key. At once, from the servant's muttered syllables divining the key's purpose, he smiled and said, So, Don Benito, padlock and key, symbolic symbols, truly. 
biting his lip, Don Benito faltered. Though the remark of Captain Delano, a man of such native simplicity as to be incapable of satire or irony, had been dropped in playful allusion to the Spaniard's singularly evidenced lordship over the black, yet the hypochondriac seemed in some way to have taken it as a malicious reflection upon his confessed inability thus far to break down, at least on a verbal summons, the entrenched will of the slave. Deploring this supposed misconception, yet despairing of correcting it, Captain Delano shifted the subject, but finding his companion more than ever withdrawn, as if still slowly digesting the lees of the presumed affront above mentioned, by and by Captain Delano likewise became less talkative, oppressed against his own will, by what seemed the secret vindictiveness of the morbidly sensitive Spaniard. But the good sailor himself, of a quite contrary disposition, refrained on his part, alike from the appearances from the feeling of resentment, and, if silent, was only so from contagion. Presently the Spaniard, assisted by a servant, somewhat discourteously crossed over from Captain Delano, a procedure which, sensibly enough, might have been allowed to pass for idle caprice of ill-humour, had not master and man, lingering round the corner of the elevated skylight, begun whispering together in low voices. This was unpleasing, and more, the moody air of the Spaniard, which at times had not been without a sort of valetudinarian stateliness, now seemed anything but dignified, while the menial familiarity of the servant lost its original charm of simple-hearted attachment. End of chapter 4. Recording by ALW POE on February 6, 2011. ALWPOE.com.